Welcome to Startup Confidential, what industry insiders will never tell you that you need to know if you're building a consumer brand. With your host, best-selling author of Ramping Your Brand, Dr. James Richardson. Let's do this. Welcome to Episode 93 of Startup Confidential, Part 1 of my interview with Greg Esslinger of Natural Food Ally. Welcome, everybody. This is... Dr. James Richardson on Startup Confidential, and this time we have part one of a discussion with Greg Essen- Esslinger. Sorry, sorry, I cannot give you. I've had five cups of coffee. I have no idea what, the- and I studied German in college. I have no idea why that was so hard. Greg Esslinger, <laughs> thank you. Yes, <laughs> who is a distribution expert and former employee of United Natural Foods? Is it Incorporated? I believe so. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. he's here to chat about the nitty gritty third party distribution of how new founders can avoid the big fuck ups. Okay, Greg, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Tell us about yourself, man. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, I spent a decade at UNFI, and that's kind of how I got my start in the food industry. Started from the bare bottom of UNFI as a purchasing assistant, went up, climbed the ladder up through the, the ranks and left about four years ago. I had uh, been a buyer account specialist, was a supplier relationship manager, which basically just means all the issues that founders are having. You're the guy that they go to. When I left, I was a group manager. Basically, just means that I was managing a group of the supplier managers and in charge mm-hmm. of the revenue that we were able to extract from those brands. I left four years ago, started my own company, Natural Food Ally just help brands navigate that natural channel distribution. But say most everybody reaches out to me for deduction help or just UNFI help specifically. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. What, Greg, are the top three things that founders who are new to the industry tend to mess up when they approach the third-party distributors? Well, I would say first and foremost, just having false expectations and thinking that they got into the big dance and UNFI or KE accepted them. And that means that they're off to the races and just means the work is just beginning and they're not doing the selling for you. These are big distributors that have processes in place and they're more, you know, UPS services for your product. Okay. That's one. What's another one? There's one. (laughs) Well, that they enter, that they go after these distributors without leverage. Mm. They don't bring a, a big retailer with them. They'll try to go straight to the distributor without any company or any retailer asking to pull them. So they'll take advantage of you. They'll say, okay, if you want to get in, sure, we'll let you in, but you've got to commit to marketing spend that can kill a brand when they start now. And I don't know too many brands right now that, that are just spending willy-nilly. So one other big one is just not reading your contracts. That's probably the biggest mistake that brands make is that they see this big contract with a bunch of convoluted language and refers to uh, a policies document that they had to read that's 40, 50 pages long. Brands are so excited about making it into their distributor that they they just find say, okay, fine, I'm just going to sign on the dotted line and worry about, worry about all these issues later. In doing so, they just don't know what they're getting themselves into. They can't price correctly because they're not taking their account what they've got to spend. Reading the pal- policies, if you don't do that, then you're in for a world of unexpected hurt down the road. 
I want to go back to the first. Thank you for those three. I want to go back to the first one, though. Yeah. Where is this impression being consistently generated from that once you get into 3P distribution that something just happens? Where is that coming from? Do you have any idea who is? Are there stakeholders who are promoting that belief? Uh, I have I have no idea who's who's promoting that. Uh, <laughs> when I was a category manager, it was just a conversation that I would have with founders you know, about getting into UNFI and this will transform their business. I don't get it. I don't know why they why they think this because you still have to have your own sales team doing all the hard work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there are sales folks and they're great people that work for these companies, but you know, they're not actively pushing your brand. They've got hundreds of thousands of brands. You know, you think they're just going to actively push every new item that comes through the door. Uh, you got another thing coming. So, so that's a good, let's, let's pause and, and go into that. Hey listeners, exponential growth involves more than a killer product, great fundraising, and a great team. You need superb analytics to ride the ramp. Dr. Richardson's latest online course is now available. Effective consumer marketing for early stage founders. You can find course pricing and details at premiumgrowthsolutions.com slash courses. And now back to the episode. What kinds of brands are in their system? Are they, is the, is the, you know, the UNFI sales team likely to have a meeting about and try to push? Is it all based on scale? Yeah. I mean, if they're actually, I mean, brand extensions of larger okay. brands, right? Got it. I mean, sure. Saffron Road has a new item. Exactly. You know, a different flavored <laughs> product. That's, that's, that's what's going to drive. Because they know it's going to sell, right? So all these new brands, yeah, sure, they're super profitable for UNFI because of all the marketing they can force down their throats. <laughs> the reality is 75, 80% of those brands are going to end up failing. So it's, just for, for new listeners, that's marketing with air quotes is what I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Those are great top three. I mean, I think I actually talk privately with folks about leverage, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. What are the creative forms of leverage that you know, a smaller company, even say one to two million, which is not exactly, that's actually yeah. a big achievement. <laughs> right. Yeah. Might be able to generate with you and I find, yeah. uh, or Kehi to get some of that. I mean, you know, it's no easy feat to get to that one to two million. Right. The reality is with Kehi and UNFI that they've got a lot of much bigger brands than that. And mm-hmm. you're just a small fish in a really big pond. The only real ways to create leverage, at least when you're onboarding, with these distributors is to get the commitments from larger retailers, you know, Whole Foods for UNFI. If Whole Foods wants you, you know, UNFI is going to be forced to carry you. Even if you give them a hard time about the contract, right? If that's, <laughs> that's the beauty is that, um, you know, UNFI is kind of, you know, contractually obligated, right? Uh, the same thing with Kehi yeah. and probably Albertsons yeah. or Sprouts, you know, they've got to bring in those products and they're sensitive customers. So if you can target a sensitive customer for those distributors and then get in the door that way, that's your best bet. And so I think you may have answered one of my questions that I was going to ask later. So let's just jump to it in case I'm wrong. But I, what I'm hearing is that the old chicken or the egg dilemma isn't actually a dilemma, right? Do I get onboarded at the distributor and then get a buyer? You need to get no. the goddamn buyer first. You no. no, it's not a dilemma at all. <laughs> go to the retailer first, and yeah. the retailer knows that yeah. they can get get you forced in to the distributor. 
Doesn't that also apply for like going down the street in Seattle to net market with your artisan goody goody and getting the store manager to put it on and then DPI suddenly has to take it? Isn't that this? I'm sure it does. Yeah. Because yeah. as long as the net market says they want it, boom. Exactly. It's just paperwork after that. Is there not a good case today, Greg, in 2023, given what I have ascertained is essentially the, the, the smaller number of slots available outside the natural channel? So if there's fewer slots, wouldn't it make sense to wait until you're almost three to five million before you can go near these third-party guys? And, and the question is, do you see people coming to that realization and entering, approaching these guys later? Or is it the same freaking vacuum of naivete coming in from zero revenue? Honestly, I don't see that happening. I see what you're saying. I see, I see where you're coming from. It makes sense. I mean, I see some brands that are really good and focused on their direct business through right. Amazon or mm-hmm. and starting up that way and then trying to build a big enough business to help with maintaining the cost once you do get into these distributors. But most brands, they're thinking right out of the gate, you know, trying to land a big retailer and forest right into the shit show. So, so the supermarket channel, I mean, because to me, this is all, it's really, it's about, it's about Whole Foods and the supermarket channel. Yeah. It's what we're talking about because you don't need a distributor to get into Target. Walmart, Walmart's a little yeah. bad, bad place to launch kids. Yep. Don't, don't pay attention to the LinkedIn feed. Yep. Um, unless you're selling like caramel popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of direct ship options. It, the, my favorite is the specialty food store down the street from your house. Right. You walk yeah. it. People used to do that, Greg. I mean, that's how people get, I mean, oh, is yeah. that the behavior still going yeah. on or is it? Yeah, it's not to- happening now. Fuck. Well, no, you want your big biggest bang for your buck. You're focusing on the, the big guns. So, I mean, it still happens somewhat. But, I mean, you still hire regional brokers to, to jump into these so, you know, small independent is- accounts. And you want to grow that independent business because it's the most profitable. But you certainly don't get 200 stores right off the bat. Thanks for listening. Remember, Dr. Richardson has loads of resources for founders at premiumgrowthsolutions.com. And when you're on his site, don't forget to take his founder's quiz and see if you're ready to ride the skate ramp of exponential growth.